This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, Sam is birthing Bigfoot. Charlene is seeing the light. And we chat to entrepreneur and personal development coach Despina Senatore about her book, Soar, a guide aimed at inspiring high school girls in life, career, and future. Hello. Hello. How goes? I'm good. I'm good. Please tell me you're not going, giving birth already. Like you haven't got into labor, have you? If I, this is something I'm grateful <laughs> for, but if I do um, go into labor now, my baby is viable. He is. What? Yes, he's. At how many weeks? 29. <laughs> oh my goodness. He'll go into Niku, but not for long because he's already 1.7 kgs. <laughs> No. Okay. Well, firstly, that's not going to happen. You are not going no. into labor early and your baby's not going to NICU. That's no. not happening. But wow, that is a big baby. He's big and he's he's tall. So he's running at what should be like a 31-week measurement. And I, I keep telling people, this is a big guy. Like there's no space in here, people. I'm not joking when I tell you. And like today is one of those days where it's like the pain is debilitating. It's um, yeah. It's I cannot sit comfortably. I cannot. I can't do anything. So it's yeah. It's it's hard, but um, I gotta say I'm grateful for the movement and because I know the stress of when baby doesn't move. Hmm. And I know the stress of when baby's too small. I actually had a friend message me who's due to give birth at the same time. And she went, how how big is baby number two? Hi, Sam, how big is baby number two was her question. And Arsol mm-hmm. over here goes, he's enormous. <laughs> he's a fucking oh, behemoth of a kid. And she had just come back from the gynae and um, – her gynae expressed some concern. It's not anything but to write home about. Baby being too small. But baby being too small. And I was like, damn it. Foot in uh, mouth disease. But I mean, she, <laughs> the way she posed that question, you, there's no way for you to anticipate what the tone of the question is. Yeah, exactly. But I, I did feel bad because I'm just like, damn it. I, I really drove home the fact that this is a big kid. <laughs> well, so, you're struggling right now. I mean, <laughs> just looking at the, the pic, that scan. Even, I mean, you know, normally you can see on these like 2D scans, you can see, okay, well, baby's big, but you can't really tell what's fluid and what's baby. And I looked at that scan. The first thing I said to you was, wow, he looks pretty squashed in there. Like he's, (laughs) he's he's like like cramped in there. He's, yeah, he's running out of space. (laughs) Oh, shame. I can't wait to meet him. You know what I must, what I didn't send you is the scan of his foot and you can see how big that foot is. (laughs) He's a Yeti. (laughs) He's really 
Rich used to joke about Jessie's Yeti toes on my scans. <laughs> and she doesn't even have big feet. <laughs> no, listen, it's, it's yeah. I need to, no. I don't know how, but someone somebody said to me today, I actually did another interview and she's like, so Sam, when are you going to slow down? And I was just like, I'll ask my boss. She's being a bit of a bitch. <laughs> You know, I've been I've been trying to like hint to you when we spoke earlier in the week as well to be like, you know, you're getting kind of close to the time now and you should start trying to wind down. I don't know if I'm being too subtle. Should I be more forceful with what I'm trying to say to you? I don't know if I'll listen to you and not not for lack of of wanting to rest, if that makes sense. Like I went for my my sugar, I, I, uh, my glucose tolerance test. So my gynae does it as like standard practice to, to do the that awful test where you go for three hours and you've got to drink this like super sweet sugary liquid um, yeah. within a certain amount of time and they do like three blood tests and whatever. And I thought I'm going to bring my – I was very optimistic and I brought my book along to relax <laughs> <laughs> while I waited, you know, between blood tests. And I never touched my book and I just sat on my laptop doing work. So that's, yeah, I'm, I will try. Let me put that out there for the world. Something I am accomplishing though, um, which has been very difficult for me, is staying, uh, protecting my energy. Let me put it that way. Mm, yeah. A lot of people have used just those words. And for me, it's a lot the same as be kind to yourself. Where I just want to like yeah. retaliate with, oh, fuck off, okay. Because it's so no. easy. <laughs> but I do get it. I mean, where you, what you give, you know, some things are just more draining than others. Like some conversations or some experiences, just literally, it feels like it sucks the life out of you. Yeah. And that, that's the energy that you're exuding. And, you know, if it's, if, if it's stealing your energy, just no. Well, look, there's been there's been something that's worthwhile that's been taking a lot of my attention, and I don't want to go into it because I'm protecting my energy, but um, it got to me so badly that last week Ray looked at me and said, "Sam, please, I just want my friend back," and it mm. broke it broke my heart. It really did, and it's there are just some things that you can put down or tap out of. Mm. And what I've realized is even if you want to stand up for people or take a stand or be involved or be knowledgeable, knowledgeable about something, um, if you burn out on that, you're no good. Then you're not helpful you're not anyway. Helpful. And I also realized in tapping into that too much, like it was um, breast, uh, International Breastfeeding Week, uh, last week and I told you this Charlene but I, I want to share it with mm. our listeners and that I was I was looking and reading these posts on breastfeeding and I watched a video on how you a mom to initiate letdown and I know this to initiate letdown needs to be relaxed um, and your milk will flow better if you are relaxed and not stressed and I was at such a wound up point that I looked at that video and went there's no way that I could initiate a letdown in the state that I'm in. There is no yeah. way. So mm. that's when I realized, oh, fuck, <laughs> I need to do something about the, my mental state right now. 
So mm. I'm, I've tapped out and, and I wanted to share that so that I could share with our listeners if there's something that is sapping your energy that you can put down, put it down. Protect your energy. You know, even just for a little bit, I was listening to the, the Michelle Obama podcast and in the one episode, she talks about how when sometimes she just has to like not watch the news or some, not for long periods of time. She's like not just taking a vacation from real life permanently, but just enough to just rebuild her energy, to just reboot a little yeah. bit. And until she's able to mentally and emotionally take in that information again. And um, just because otherwise you're not going to be able to keep going. And she said that that's, she does that. If some days she feels, she was specifically talking about the stuff that was happening in the States with um, uh, George Floyd at that time. And she was saying that she, um, she doesn't zone out completely, but she did, she does sometimes mute it, not watch it just for a couple of days until she's regained her energy. And then she can get back in rather spend little bits of her energy over a longer period of time, than a lot of her energy going into it all at once. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's an important message. You can't, you can't mm. give what you don't have. You can't pour from an empty cup and all of that. And that has like self-care has evolved in 2020. <laughs> it's now, no, no. it's now really <laughs> about protecting what, what you put into your brain and what you expose no, but yourself I mean, it's to. Also, it's also what this year has done to us. I think Shut a lot of people up. are feeling that way. There's just a lot going on, you know, um, you turn the TV on, the news is, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's saturating. shocking and yeah, it is. It's a lot. So but tell I mean, me, you, yeah. you are seeing the light. Sorry to interrupt well, you, but it, well, is yes. it the light at the end of the tunnel? Is it? <laughs> yeah, no, is I'm it, not stepping into the bright white tears? light. I like I'm, <laughs> it, I'm not RIPing Charlene just yet. <laughs> don't go into the light no i um i mean i posted about it today on social media and um we also posted about it on our platform so by the time our listeners listen to this episode it'll probably be late uh, uh, old news already but i um i've been battling a little bit i think like a lot of moms have with uh depression i, I mean i I didn't actually realize that it was depression. You know, you feel down and you don't feel great. And a lot of things does suggest depression, but you're like, no, I'm sure it's not that. Until I eventually didn't feel like I was coping anymore. And I, I had to ask for help. And so I did, spoke to my therapist. And so he um, recommended I go on to antidepressants. So I've been on these antidepressants for about three, going on four weeks now, and I can finally feel the gray clouds starting to lift, which is great because um, everything around me is still pretty fucked in the world <laughs> but but I am just I'm like not lying in a ball crying about it all the time and I am able to try and look at the I mean as cliched or the ridiculous as this sounds I am looking at the, the good things that I do have going for me in my life and I can appreciate them because a couple of weeks back, I couldn't see any of those things. I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even enjoy being around my kids. To well, be you're honest, almost numb is, to it, you know. Like you see, yeah. you're like I should be happy with that and about that, and I. You do see the good, 
but you're numb you're numb to it it's a cloud yeah it's, a it's like meh yeah. yeah and everything is just effort and tr- and like literally breathing at that point was too much effort for me you know mm. so yeah uh, that's that's me but other than that uh things are going good this side i think well kudos to you my friend i think um i'd i'd be really keen to see how many mothers and women people actually have gone on to antidepressants during this time where it's been the tipping point you know look i just have to tell you since this post went out today i have been getting dms one comments comments dms one after the other one after the other from moms and friends women that you and i both know just like charlene you're not alone in it as well same thing happened to me same thing happened to me it is rife. It is everywhere, and we don't talk about it. No, enough. we need to normalize it. And um, I mean, the, there's a very, very fine line between feeling down about things and um, being formally diagnosed and needing intervention that, and needing help. And and I was just thinking, you know what? It's normal for me to feel down with everything going on. And then, and I was just like, because I'm a very emotional person, so think things do affect me emotionally quite easily. You know, someone tells a sad story and I feel like I'm carrying that burden with me. Like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah, you get tears. Literally, you get tears in your eyes when you hear something sad. I just, it's like I feel that emotion in my heart when someone just tells me a story or or I read a story. I I feel things so deeply. And it's always been a difficult thing about my personality that I've had to deal with. So when this happened, with the situation with COVID and everything, I was just like, well, Charlene, you're bound to feel a bit like morose because things are, are sad and difficult at the moment, you know? And I, um, I guess what struck a chord with me was I Rita taken the kids to my in-laws and I was at home to get some work done and I could not lift myself up off of the couch. I was just in my pajamas sobbing. Mm. sobbing I was like let me take a bath I sat in the bath I sobbed I couldn't stop uncontrollably just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and then I started realizing well there's been like days on end I go to the toilet for five minutes to be alone hiding from the kids and I sob like I just I, I hide in the bathroom and I just sob don't ask me about what and then I realized hold on a minute and then when I had the thought of okay well let's take the kids out I better get some things done. I couldn't even think straight about what I needed to get done that day. I was just dreading them coming back home. I was just like, I don't want them near me. Mm. I don't want them near me. I don't want them near me. And, you know, when it gets to the point, I realize this is now at a point where I am like not wanting my children near me or close to me or even around me. That's not great. They deserve better. You know, Mm. they deserve to have a mom that's okay. Well, well done. Can I give you a hand clap? Can I give you an applause? It's been a while. <laughs> I haven't done anything. You did. You did. You went and you went and got help. And well, so I, I mean, I just asked for help, and then still, when I asked for help, I was like, "Listen, I don't feel like I'm coping. I don't know if I like need maybe like an anti-anxiety med or something." And then the the therapist was just like, "Charlene, I I genuinely and he's been seeing me for a while." 
And I was like, Charlene, I, I've been suspecting for some time that you are actually clinically depressed. And I think that maybe what's been happening with COVID and the strain and everything, it's just the straw that broke a mm. camel's back. So, you know, I mean, not to make this episode about this long story, but hopefully in sharing this story with some moms that are listening, maybe they can relate and maybe maybe it start, they start asking themselves some questions and and, you know, maybe you can help yourself. Now, it's important to share those those weekdays or months or years with, mm. with our listeners. And so, guys, we, we haven't been great, but we... <laughs> yeah, no, we're a mess. <laughs> we're a fucking mess, but welcome. <laughs> you can come to yeah, our table anytime. It's, it's Women's Month. <laughs> we yeah. soldier on. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, of Women's Month, we're now midway into it and it... Um, last week, well, last week we acknowledged nine August and what happened that year, and it feels like a lot more people this year were focused on the reason for the season, if you will. Yes, I mean, did you? I, I was wondering if you also noticed that because the, I mean, the real meaning behind celebrating the ninth of August was front and center for many people, and this year around, and and I mean, that really makes my heart happy. Well, if that made your heart happy, Charlene, then today's topic will truly make your heart sore. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. So, Charlene, as we've said, it's it's been a fully loaded year and the climate... The climate uh, has been fully like supercharged, really, really charged mm. and tense. Besides COVID, um, as we've been saying in the last few weeks, there's been a spotlight on Black Lives Matter, femicide and gender-based violence rages on. The news is not great. And along with all of those things is like a whole lot of political hullabaloo. And I'm not saying these aren't super important things. No, no. I mean, they, they are super important. And it's obviously why so many people, I'm assuming, have been on board with recognizing the meaning behind Women's Day in South Africa. Well, exactly. So, yeah, there are no pass laws now to protest and walk to union buildings against. Um, that, that's what March, the March on 9th of, uh, the 9th of August, 64 years ago, was all about and what it was centered on. But we always say, like, okay, what now? Why Why is that important? And the thing is, just because we're not protesting past laws doesn't mean that the effects of apartheid and systemic racism aren't lingering. Exactly. And that doesn't mean women aren't still being oppressed in multiple spheres of their lives or even fighting or fearing for their lives uh, for that matter. Yeah, I've, I've seen so many people chatting about the intersectionality of systemic racism, sexual oppression and misogyny. Okay, I'm not going to break it down. I'm not an expert, but those are all big words and the concepts have been a lot to take in over the past few months um, to a year, but I'm, I'm starting to understand how oppression 
overlaps across many spheres in life or, or sectors of, of our community, be it race, gender, social class, you know, all of that. There's a lot happening. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot happening in the world right now. And my mind is constantly buzzing. But again, this all begs the question, where to from here? And what can we do, you and I and our listeners? Mm. Okay, well, Charlene, you and I, we can talk. Our listeners can listen. And we can talk a lot. We know this. <laughs> but through our talking and talking and talking, we can continue and we aim to continue to open dialogue about these kinds of issues. Yeah, this fun stuff will, will be there and we'll, we'll lighten the load um, in weeks to come. But we can hopefully open some minds, including our own, through important dialogues like this. Um, mm. But also, we need to acknowledge that we don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> We've got a lot to learn. That's- that's not news. <laughs> <laughs> so I figure when it comes to the big issues, um, and this week we're going to be talking about the empowerment of our youth, um, it's very important to talk to an expert. Guys, today we're talking to another powerful woman entrepreneur who knows all too well about the ever-present juggle that working moms face on the daily Despina Senatore is the founder and owner of Purposeful Women, an organization that speaks to this mother of three's passion for people development, especially when it comes to helping women in finding their true potential. And as if being a mom, an entrepreneur and a personal development coach isn't enough, Despina recently added author to her list of accolades. Despina's book, Soar, is a guideline for teenage girls that aims to instill confidence and resilience in young South African women. And to educate them on the plethora of career opportunities open to our youth. Despina joins us now to talk more about this project and her continued work in women empowerment. Welcome, Despina. Thank you, Charlene and Samantha. I'm really um, honored and grateful to be on your show today. Man, it's such a pleasure to have you here. And um, look, you know, no matter the amount of accolades or feathers in your cap, you're not immune to our question, our first question that we ask all our guests, and that's, who calls you mom? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Mm, Who calls me mom? Sure. So I have three little humans that call me mom, but I think it's more like mom, (laughs) you know, constantly. So I think all moms can relate to that. Um, three children. I had three kids in the space of four years, so they're very close together. Um, two boys and a girl. The youngest turned four in June and the oldest turned eight in June. So, um, yeah, grade two, grade R and, and preschool. Yeah, quite a busy household. Geez, like nice. also fairly close together, right? Yes, and it wasn't actually planned that way. Um <laughs> You know, you you decide that you want to have two kids. And I mean, I had my my first child when I was 36, my oldest. And then you think, you know, you read all about this stuff about secondary infertility and all of these things after the age of 35. So it's like, okay, maybe we should, you know, just start trying and see what happens. It could take six months. It could take a year. And well, (laughs) it didn't. (laughs) Bam and then bam. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So um when the first little guy was 10 months old, we fell pregnant with the second little guy. And then two years later, fell pregnant with the little madam. So, yeah. Wow. It's wow. been amazing and crazy and chaotic and all of those things that goes with having small kids. Hey, 
Does it get better as they get older? So I think for me, what's gotten better is that um, they're not as dependent. So you don't have two in nappies anymore, you know, at the same time. You don't have two on the bottle at the same time. They can communicate with you. But what doesn't get easy uh, is um, now you go from being completely the mommy that they're dependent on for only feeding and nurturing to the referee. Mm. So that is... <laughs> I can relate. My two yeah. are now, I'm, I'm starting to potty train my second born and they are, I'm having to be the referee constantly. They're at each other. You have to just be, have your wits about you. No, absolutely. And it drives me mad because, you know, it's like, why are you constantly at each other? I don't understand. It's like you, you one minute you're playing and you want to be together. You know, mm. they, they, they have like this love-hate relationship, I think. Exactly. And oh, my gosh. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think is difficult is that the, my oldest and my youngest get along really well. Um, and when all three of them are together, the middle one feels a little bit left out. But then oh, you're talking with to the two older middle one, children here. Aren't you a middle I'm child? I'm also a middle Sam? child. <laughs> I am a middle, yeah. I am a middle child. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but then when he's with either the, the younger one or the older one, then he's fine. But all three of them together is just a recipe for, for chaos and fighting and unhappiness. And yeah, so it's have, have another one, Despina. Have <laughs> oh, another one to level the playing field. <laughs> uh, listen, someone else told me that's the same thing. And I said, Flip, I don't know if I could. My husband would probably also not. Oh, gosh. It is. Uh... I think, you know what I always say? To people, I wish that somebody had told me the truth about having kids, like the honest <laughs> to goodness truth, not just the oh, it's so awesome, it's the best thing, yes, it is the best thing, but it's really hard, yeah, you know. And if you are working and you are a certain personality type who likes to have structure and manage things in a certain way, it's a lot more difficult, I think, when this whirlwind of different personalities. You know, what's ha what makes the one who happy doesn't make the other one happy. What worked with the one didn't work with the other one. Um, and it's like you just, I think I learn as I go and I don't always know whether I'm learning the right thing. <laughs> it's so funny you should say that because that's a big part of why this podcast started about just because of the honesty. Because mm. we, we I, Sam and I believe that we have to be more honest with each other and with moms, other moms out there, because nobody really tells you this stuff. Yeah, otherwise you're no. just doing other mothers a complete disservice, seriously. Mm. Absolutely. And I agree, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's like, you know, rather go with, into something with your eyes wide open. Exactly, exactly. Well, huh? um, no. more or less on that, on that line, like we were actually meant to talk pre-lockdown and um, mm. your kids were at home because... You, you guys were under the weather and it was quite early, early on. Mm. I mean, those times were even more uncertain, if, if, you, you know, if you can believe it, than what they are now. Um, and so I, I had access to your book, Saw, which we'll get mm. to um, in a moment. And I, I you know, I, I was all things Despina leading up to, leading up <laughs> to that moment. But I'm always, I'm amazed at how the stars always seem to align with our content mm. because we are sitting in Women's Month. And yes, yeah. This is your this is your jam. And <laughs> you you're all about um 
empowering women and we speak on this podcast about looking at at the genesis of uh, why we celebrate women's day or the real reason behind Mm. it but we always ask like what can we do how can Mm. we proceed here and so like i said we'll get to your book but let's let's start at the very beginning um Mm. because i think it's really important to bring our listeners up to speed on purposeful women and what you do so you spent Mm. Over 17 years in the financial services sector, um, but something Mm. prompted a brain baby while you were working that steered you in quite a different direction. Mm. So talk to Mm. us about your platform, Purpose for Women, but also about the the beginning of that and how how it came about. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I worked in financial services at the same company for 18 and a half years. And, you know, when you enter the workforce, I mean, I was in my early 20s when I entered um, the company. And I think upbringing has a lot to do with it. I think culture has a lot to do with it. I think society at large has a lot to do with it. But you enter the workforce and you enter this massive organization and you don't question why there are only men in leadership positions, right? Um, Because that's, it's just normal. Um, And we don't question it. I didn't question it. I mean, all my bosses were men, you know, whichever. So I went in as an internal auditor. I have an accounting background. Um, And so the head of audit was uh, a male. The CEO was the male. The CFO, the COO, every C-suite executive was a male. There were a few ladies, but you don't question it because we believe, and, and I was raised, that the man is the authority, right? The man is the breadwinner. The man is the leader, but over time, when you, like, I mean, 18 and a half years and things don't start changing, like the demographic changed in terms of transformation was happening from a race perspective. So, um, but where were the women? And, and so I now start questioning, like it's been 18 and a half years or at the time when, it, when, I, when I first started questioning things, I'd been there for 15 years. And I'm like, but why? are there no women who are making strides and getting to the top of the ladder, if you want to call it that. Um, And so, you know, you work with people and you see that these women are formidable. They are well-educated. They've got the competence. um, And yet there's something that's just stopping them from getting up the corporate ladder. And so I started saying to my boss that I'd like to actually just delve a little bit deeper into this. Like, is it maybe, you know, where we are in our lives? So is it a life stage thing that when you get to a certain age, you now get married, you start having children. And so the progression to the corp, you know, up the corporate ladder, does it stall or does it stop completely? Yeah. You're like, at the end of the day, it is choices, right? You're interrupted in your formative, in your um, sort of career formative years. Um, is also also happens to be your best childbearing years, and so that's often yeah. how um, men dare I see dare I say the the patriarchy, but like that's <laughs> that's all all or people that ascribe to to that how they intellectualize um, why women aren't on the same pay grade as men and why women aren't um, you know in the C suite because men were able to mm. get there faster. So I actually wanted to ask you about that. So I'm interrupting you because it's it's exactly what I wanted to know, you know, and how that mm. how that proceeds into, you know, purposeful women yes. as well. Yeah. So then I mean what I did is I started asking questions, I guess. Like what is it? And reflecting on my own journey as well. 
you know, at the end of the day, we all make choices. So my choices were a lot to do with confidence. Um, I didn't feel confident enough to take on certain roles. And again, and this links to the book, it goes back down to the messages that we get when we are growing up, right? Um, and so I started interviewing um, or just chatting to other women, other colleagues, and the message was the same. I mean, these are women that are qualified actuaries, you know, qualified accountants. Um, you know, it's not like we are not competent enough. And the same question is like, but why? I mean, this is such an amazing opportunity. Why don't you take it? No, I don't feel confident enough. So, so confidence is a huge thing. Taking risks is a huge thing. Fear of failure is an immense thing, okay? I mean, I remember saying once to my boss, I don't want to fail. And so that is why I'm quite happy to be where I am. And he's like, but why do you automatically think that you're going to fail? I won't let you fail. I mean, you know, I'm here to support you. And I still, that anxiety um, around failure, I think, is so huge for, for women um, because we are not raised to learn how to fail and to fail forward. Anyway, so I then started running a workshop within the organization around helping women to almost review and break those self-limiting beliefs because a lot of the time it is our own self-limiting beliefs that hold us back. And how do we start to step out of our comfort zone? Um, and through that, I started realizing that in order to create a generation of empowered young women, we actually need to start younger. And that is how kind of personal, uh, personal purposeful women evolved. It was out of a need to help women to step out of their comfort zone and to start really getting perspective around what is it that you are afraid of? What do you want to achieve and how can you go about getting it? And it really is about being purposeful and deliberate in your actions. Um, and so I started questioning my self-limiting beliefs and I started pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And the stuff that I'm doing today, if you had told me three years ago, four years ago, that this is what I would be doing, I would have told you, you must be completely out of your, your mind because mm -hmm. it's not who I am. Um, and so imposter syndrome, also a huge thing. Oh, yes. Um, we know it all too well here. Hey, Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking just in our, in our last interview with our previous guest about a week ago, we had um, the same a, a discussion along why women always, why we always doubt ourselves. Like, and we, this woman we were talking to, I mean, she's so successful. Mm -hmm. She's on the Forbes uh, top 30 under 30. And, and she was saying that her husband motivated her to enter for Forbes because she said, look, you can enter me, but I don't think I have what it takes. It's mm. just crazy to me yeah. how we doubt ourselves all the time. And even when she all got the, the email, she looked at the email and she said, this must be a mistake or, or they, <laughs> they don't really know what I'm about. You know, they think they know, but if they were ever to mm. find out, they would see that this is a mistake. Yeah, like absolutely. Prime they probably example didn't have of enough applications. Yeah, you know, they probably didn't have enough applications, and so they chose me. <laughs> I mean, these are the things that we tell ourselves. Yeah, prime yes. example um, of imposter syndrome. So, so Despina, you started within your own organization, but you were prompted to expand, and you you now have it's now it's very own platform, and you you help mm. women 
you know, across the country, across multiple organizations. I, I don't even know possibly even the world because now that we're <laughs> Zooming and that, like this is, this is now possible, you know. So, Absolutely. So how did that expand yeah, so from, from talking to your boss about it and it being sort of an idea? Well, yeah. So what happened was that I realized that, you know, this little side project that I was doing at work was actually what I'm passionate about. Um, exactly. You know, it just evolved. And I was also running a, a, a separate program um, at work, which was also, you know, just a little project that I was doing um, around helping young talent. Um, and I realized that actually I'm, I'm, I really enjoy people development stuff, you know, helping others to see that they've got so much more potential and how can I guide them and how can I help them to step out of, again, those self-limiting beliefs? And so at the time of leaving, it was really, my daughter was, um, was, quite, was quite little, but she was also getting quite sick quite often. Um, and so I found myself, you know, the mother's guilt, working from pediatric wards, working from doctor's offices, working at home because she was sick and she couldn't, um, you know, be in creche because she'd pick up every single little germ that there was. And then, you know, it's like almost like a domino effect. Then she'd get better, but then the other one would get sick, mm. you know, and then they were just sharing all these germs. But I think out of that immense guilt, number one, of even though I delivered everything, I mean, my boss was like, Des, I don't care if you're working from home. I know that you're going to deliver. But for me, it was this guilt of I'm not focused either at work or at, at home. Your attention the is divided. The other thing was also, yeah, absolutely. And, and don't we always have this torn torn thing you know um what did they say when when a mother gives birth she gives birth to a child and she gives birth to guilt yep um because exactly you right. are always torn between everything and whether you're doing a good enough job for your kids or whether you are looking to be committed enough to your job um so that was the one thing i just said to my husband look you know i think it's i think i need to leave corporate because i, I just can't always feel juggle this way. all the balls yeah all the time I suppose also because of your personality type, if you were saying that you like structure and you like things to happen in a certain way, it would, it, if I imagine myself in that frame of mind, it would bother me to give like 80% of my attention to this one thing and 80% of my, or like you have to split always not being able yeah. to give 100% of your attention to the one thing that you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. You have to always only give a percentage thereof and that bothers you. Well, it bothered me that I was giving way too much to my work. Mm. less to my kids, less to my husband and practically nothing for myself. So, you know, isn't that always how it works? Yes. It so is terrible. I, also, <laughs> I burnt out. I mean, the doctor had booked me off for burnout. So it was just taking a lot of toll on my well-being as well. And then also having realized that this is what I'm passionate about. Why am I still working in a job that, yes, it's, I mean, it pays me really well. You know, I've been here for a long time. People know me. I have a great work ethic, but it doesn't give me meaning. Yeah, you only like live once. No, YOLO, guys. YOLO. There's no value. I don't <laughs> feel like I'm adding value. Exactly. Yeah, and so um, I took the leap and decided, and it's so interesting, a, a friend of mine or a colleague at work said to me, just register a company. You should be doing this outside of the organization. The workshop that I was doing, it's called Renew You. You can't just have it within these four walls. It's making such a huge impact to so many women. You need to take it out. Just register a company. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not an entrepreneur. I could never do that. You know, and all of these excuses and assumptions um, start 
you know, working their way in your mind. And so I think the other thing that we do is we're very quick to talk ourselves out of stuff as women um, mm. because of the fear of failure, because of the fear of disappointment, because of all of these things. But, you know, the, the seed was planted. And so I did register because, you know, with a CIPC, you can register a company and it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. And then I was like, I probably need business cards. <laughs> so I probably need a logo. So all of these things just started happening. It kind of snowballed. And yeah, exactly. But I think it was meant to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if I look where I am now and what I achieved in the, in the it's not even been two years. Oh, no, it's two years now. In the two years since I left corporate, I mean, I can't even believe that I've achieved what I've achieved. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And it, it look, it doesn't. It it also doesn't end at purpose for women. And that's that's actually why we're here today. Which is, you know, it actually <laughs> boggles my mind. Hey, Charlene, like when we have people on, I'm just like, you. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But that, you know, they say you must always surround yourself with people that you aspire to be like. Yes, because exactly. that way you'll you'll ensure that you're always successful. I like it. I like <laughs> so it. that's that's what we're doing here. <laughs> okay, so Despina, we're here because last year you you took the another bull by the horns, <laughs> and mm. you you penned a guidebook for high school girls, adding author to your list mm. of, of accomplishments. And essentially you translated your, your passion for empowering women, um, mm. you translated it in, into the same thing, but for young women in their, in their most formative years. Um, mm. and, and, and when it comes to sort of career and, and how you see yourself as a, as a woman and, and you know, by proxy a, a mom and a mother. So just to give our listeners some insights, um, guys, this book, this book, it educates young women on at uh, 50, I think, possible career choices uh, through in-depth interviews with South African women who are in it and actively pursuing um, those careers. So uh, there are links as well and guidelines on tertiary education, some tips and exercises for personal development, and of course, practical advice that helps prepare girls for the, the real world. So Despina, how I see it is, your book takes the issues that we, our, our generation of adult women often face, a lack of confidence, mm. a lack of resilience, the ever-creeping mm. imposter syndrome, that bastard, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, it intercepts young girls when these issues really start to bubble to the surface. Mm. So, I mean, um, is there anything I'm missing with regard to this to this guideline? And and I want to know how did that brain baby start? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and you had. I mean, that's it's a huge thing because there are lots of contributors and there's a lot that went into it. So, mm. so give us some insight into yeah. that. So, I mean, I think again, and this is going back into into where I came from from a corporate perspective and my upbringing, and you know. Just speaking to all the women, when you when you unpack what it is that resulted in these self-limiting beliefs, these assumptions, the choices that we make in terms of what career we're going to pursue, it all boils down to the messages that we received when we were younger. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you read, I don't know, I mean, you probably read my forward where yes. I said I chose to do accounting because I didn't know any better. Well, that was one you know, of the. Um, it was one of the the occupations that that we and a lot of generations prior to us. I mean, you you could be a doctor, an engineer, 
an uh, accountant, and I'm I'm missing a few an architect. You know, they were they were like lawyer, a lawyer. They were like five, you know, sure fire ways ones. to make yeah. money. And we thought we were being revolutionary by being women that took on those those careers. Mm. However, well, for me, it was even 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 that when I was in matric, they were trying to get me to become a teacher. Ah, so um, I'm probably about ten years older than both of you. So it was you know, women do not become accountants or lawyers or doctors. They become teachers or secretaries or, you know, and I was like, no, I don't want to do teaching. Exactly. And isn't that most of the roles that we are given? Yeah. Support, you know, but, um, and I thought, no, I want to become an accountant for no other reason than I'm good at accounting and I don't want to become a teacher. Yeah. My passion was advertising. I was, I was, I really was in awe of the advertising um, industry, but I didn't have the information that I needed. And I thought that in order to pursue advertising, you needed to do arts in school. And so I didn't pursue advertising. I just thought, okay, well, I guess accounting it is. And that's how, and that's how I became an accountant. And you landed in the financial um, services sector. Absolutely. So. And also, if you look at who surrounded, so my, my parents never went to, I mean, they never finished um, high school. Um, and they are immigrants. So they came from Greece. They didn't know any better. They're entrepreneurs. So the people that I looked at were either like my mom who supported their husbands in, you know, in their businesses. Mm. Exactly. And obviously teachers. So where are my role models? Who was I looking up to? Well, I was looking at who was around me. Mm. And so how do we, ensure that the young women of today have got more information and more insight because a lot of them are looking around and what do they see, especially in the underprivileged communities? They don't see a hope for themselves because who are they surrounded by? That is so profound to me. That is 100% true. If they don't see a vision for themselves, then what is around them? They are not going to have the hope that they can actually succeed and, you know, come out of the situations that they are currently in. And, and for what? me, information is so important. That's so, huh? It's so true what you're saying because we're also, I mean, we're talking, yeah, as three women who grew up, I would say, privileged to have mm. uh, access to education and living in the suburbs and not growing up in a rural community where we had – schooling at our disposal and we're saying that we felt like limited in terms of what career choices we could make can you imagine how limiting exactly. it must be when when you grow up in a rural community in some communities we're running water and and i mean you don't even have a toilet in your house Absolutely. In your, where you live or where you sleep and to to rise above that and to understand that these things don't determine where i go to and it doesn't have to restrict my dreams and my hopes and my ideals. Mm. Mm. And that is why it was also so important for me to include the young girls that I included in the book. So talk to us about relatable. that. Who are, who are these women? How did you find them? <laughs> How long did it take you to find <laughs> oh, them? I mean, yes, it was a, a lot of research. So the young woman in the book, I found via LinkedIn mostly. Um, the first young woman who agreed to be part of the book was the 
metallurgy student. So predominantly, most of the girls are students. They are currently still at university, at college. Um, some of them are recent graduates. So the aeronautical engineer, she graduated um, last year. Um, Which is I wanted nice. their stories I, to be real and relatable. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it? It's nice that they're so close in age to high school girls because it makes it that much more attainable for them. I love that. I really. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like this huge goal far away on the horizon. Yeah. Like, I mean, it seems unattainable. You know, when we get um, people who come and speak, well, when I was in corporate, and you you bring these women. Um, to come and speak to you, the women that are successful, right? Um, it's, it, it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, I can achieve this. Yeah. But for me, if you if you take a 40-year-old woman or a 50-year-old woman and you take her to a school and you tell her to share her story with the youngsters, that for me is not relatable mm. because she's not in my age. You know, she hasn't lived through being a teenager and what it's like to be a teenager of today. But if you yeah. have somebody who's 20 years old or 19 years old who's just left high school and he's in university, I'm going to be able to relate to her. Mm. And that is why I was so intent on getting younger women to be a part of the book. I mean, I did include the other 12 role models, which you saw in predominantly male careers, the shipbuilder, the brewmaster, the pilot, um, because I wanted to show that you know, in as much as we are saying that these careers are for men, there are women who are doing them. Um, you know, so so yes, there was method in the in the design in of the book, should I say? <laughs> and what I what I love is you chat in the book about the fourth industrial revolution. And now like as as parents and as as women sort of in what is it? Gen I, ooh, I don't even know, Gen X, Gen I think Gen that we X, yeah, we millennial yeah. mothers are now like from 30, 30 onwards, we are the first generation of, of mothers to uh, parent in a world where we, at high school, we didn't have social media, but now we do. And so that, you know, the, that puts us in a, in a very, you know, specific spot in terms of parenthood. But you forget that um, the generation of today don't know what it's like. To operate, to not have access to that, yeah, without social mm. media and or technology and whatnot, but but their peers in the book do. They know what it's like. Mm. So so speaking so, about that yeah. fourth industrial revolution. Sorry, speaking about that fourth industrial revolution, um, you've added the typical careers that we think of, but also a lot of others that that you kind of don't. Mm. So so, can you take us more more through that mm. and how you've you've navigated that? that, you know, dichotomy between being technologically savvy in this new phase of, of mm. revolution and, and not, I suppose. So, again, I mean, so once again, the, the intended audience of the book when I first created it was the underprivileged schoolgirl. You know, the girls who don't have access to Wi-Fi and don't have access to all this information, don't have access to... Um, Understanding what even the fourth industrial revolution is. Mm. Um, so we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution. Well, what does it mean? And if you're not educated about what it means and the skills that you need for the future world of work, well, how can you make informed decisions? Mm. You know, the fourth industrial revolution isn't only about digitalization and technology and AI. It's also about the human skills. 
You know, yes. it's about critical thinking. It's about creative thinking. It's about systems thinking and design thinking. You know, it's about um, um, being employable and having social skills and being able to show up in a way that, you know, you wouldn't even think makes a difference, but it actually does. It's about learning about empathy. Um, you know, and all of these human skills that we say that the robots of the future will not have. So yes, it's scary to think that the robots are going to come and take over our jobs, but they are not human beings. Mm. Um, and what are the skills that, that are needed and how can they start developing them in the absence of having um, coding and whatnot in schools? So it doesn't mean to say that because I don't know what coding is that I'm going to be left behind because mm. there are other skills that I can develop. Mm. So yes, I've included the traditional lawyer, doctor, accountant, actuary um, in the book because there are youngsters that want to pursue those careers. And if they want to pursue them, they may not know what subjects they need to study. And that is why it was important for the young girls to share the subjects that they studied. But then I included the different careers, you know, your coders, your chef, your hairdresser, your, um, gosh, I can't even remember. There's so many, your graphic designer, your marketing, um, digital marketer, um, because those are the more, the newer kind of careers that are coming through but also the ones that are entrepreneurial. Not everybody is yeah. an academic. Not mm. everybody's going to make it into university. Um, also important to highlight the importance of going to a technical college where you not only you know, learn the theory, but you also learn the practical the way of mm. doing things, the skill. And to normalize um, those jobs. More, yes, absolutely. And to show you that you know, there's such a variety out there. We need people who are, I mean, the firefighter, you know, we need people in all of these professions um, because all of these professions are important and all of them matter. And we need to see women mirrored in those roles so that young mm. girls can see that it's, it is possible. Look, she's doing it, you know, and if she can, so can Absolutely. I. Absolutely. Well, there's a saying that goes, if I can see her, I can be her. Yes. And, and that was, you know, the, the thinking behind all of those careers in the book all of those role models in the book, um, it is around if, if I know that there's a girl who grew up in a rural village with her grandmother raising her with no parents and seven siblings, and she's a now an aeronautical engineer or a doctor or a shipbuilder, then my gosh, mm. it's possible for me too. You know, in the absence of them being able to find those people, I'm saying here's a book that brings those people to you. It's so great. It's so great, and and also in in your um, I suppose knowledge about personal development, you you add a lot about mindfulness and gratitude. In addition to all of that information that they that these women, young women need need access to, there's that which I'm like mindfulness and gratitude and all of that. I'm only trying to to master now. So within the book, it's almost like a workbook. So it's not. It's yes. not just a reading book. You work through it. And, I'm, and I think it would be great to do in groups as well, which I'm assuming is, is also mm. what you envisioned. So it has reflections on the past month, what goals you set, what goals you achieved, what you were grateful for. There's a page on mindfulness practice and, and you know, where you can color in. Um, and I said, I say coloring in and it sounds a, a little bit childlike, but but I mean like, you know, it's that mindfulness we know practice. We research, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so the mindfulness is really important because, and reflection as well. So one of the other things I do is that I, I'm, a, I'm a faculty member at Henley Business School Africa. Oh, one so of the other I things, actually, just been a, just, <laughs> just another one just in another, the mix. Just another, okay. Well, it aligns <laughs> to my people development stuff, right? Okay. And we talk about, even to those adults, you know, we talk to them about the, the importance and the impact of daily gratitude practice. Because it has such a huge impact, not only on your mental well-being, but also on your outlook on life. And research has shown that people who practice daily gratitude are happier, they are healthier, and they are more successful. So why do we need to wait until we are adults in a business school to understand the power of being grateful? The other thing is also, if we keep focusing on the bad things in life, you are only going to see the bad things in life. Oh my gosh. How do we change their mindset? (laughs) This right? Is, this is so great. This is right up our alley. <laughs> this is what Charlene yeah, is. Like, we need an... this book. Charlene, you can borrow, <laughs> you can borrow my <laughs> copy. See? <laughs> I'm older, the... way older than these girls, but I think it's never too late to learn. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And then a lot of the stuff around mindfulness is around, you know, there's so much depression and anxiety in, in teens of today. Um, the suicide rate, um, in, it's, it's, it actually breaks my heart. But if you know that you can self-regulate by just changing your breathing and that that will help with your anxiety levels, or if you know that if you do something like coloring in, mm. which is meditative as well, mm. it has a huge impact on your mental well-being. Um, and so why, again, must I wait until I am 25, 30 years old and read about it um, in a magazine or listen to a TEDx talk when I can learn about this stuff when I'm younger and so equip myself with these tools so that when I get to university, when I get to work, I already know how to cope with some of the things that life is throwing at me. Yes. Yes, wow. yes, and yes. <laughs> and then you'll notice as well that the book has got a lot of quotes in there and poems yeah. that are very positive. There's and one poem about- that you read back, you read it and it's like I had yes. the worst day today. Yes, and then you, yes. you read it backwards and it flips Other a way. switch on your whole day. It's so good. Guys, listen. And that's also <laughs> around good. social comparison, the, 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 the danger of social comparison and why you need to build confidence in yourself. So you know, just trying to get the young woman of today to realize that we don't need a clone of everybody. We need unique. Mm. Uniqueness is what the world needs. And just because I don't look like somebody, just because I don't feel like I fit in with somebody, it doesn't mean that I'm unimportant. It doesn't mean that I'm not beautiful in my own way. And just to try and get young women to be confident in themselves, I think is a huge thing. Um, and we need to start doing it from now, mm. not wait until we need to go to psychologists and psychiatrists and, you know, um, to help us deal with our lack of confidence or our body, body image issues, etc. So I'm not 100% sure that this will impact every young woman who reads the book. But if it makes a difference to like one or five or 10, for me, that is is something and it, it has a ripple effect it definitely does mm. these these things have a way of, of growing for the better so D- Despina, i'm curious as to how the book is disseminated to the young women who need it most um to capture those ones who are gonna uh, 
take that ripple effect forward. So your website provides opportunity for corporates to get involved as well. I would imagine um, that you've been to secondary schools to talk to girls. How else is this book um, getting out there to our young women and how can plebs like the Great Equalizer <laughs> come to the party? <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I, I published the book in late late last year. So it was in uh, actually Women's Month last year. Last year. You know, of course, COVID coming to our shores hasn't helped with the distribution of the books. So one of the ways that I've managed to get at least four, 500 books to, um, to underprivileged schoolgirls is through donations. Um, so, you know, I've had uh, one corporate approach me as soon as the book was actually published. They were holding a Women's Day event with um, a, a school from one of the communities and they asked me if they could buy my book because they'd like to gift it to the young girls, which I thought was amazing. Um, just hang on, Despina. Sorry, I've lost you. Your okay. sound went. Your sound is off for some reason. I... Let me take that off. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me do that. Um, and then I ran an executive director challenge in October, November last year. And I basically said, you know, buy 10 books and share the gift of knowledge with an underprivileged school girl. And in that way, I raised um, enough donation money to uh, donate 250 books to, diff to two different schools. So that was awesome. But interesting enough, the, the majority of the books have been parents who've been approaching me, um, you know, sending me emails after they've read something in the news or in a magazine um, and they're not underprivileged school girls, which for me is really interesting because, again, you know, we assume that going to a private school or a, um, you know, a, what do you call it? A, a former model C? Yes, school, um, you know, that these kids have got all the information that they need, that they will be able to make informed choices. And yet the parents are all saying to me, this is exactly what my daughter needs. Mm -hmm. So it became a book that was targeting underprivileged school girls to a book that is now, it's just for every school girl, you know, irrespective of who they are, if they need the information and they don't have it, then here's a source um, which, that they can get the information from. Which just shows so how much is lacking, right, in, in women education and in singling out like exactly what what young women need in order to be seen as equals and and overcome that power struggle that that everybody's reeling against these days you know there's a new wave of feminism now um but he has a positive way to to really sort of level the playing field right mm. hopefully, hopefully you know and i really think it boils down to if if you if if i don't have information how am I going to make a choice or the right choice or an informed choice? Because I don't know what I don't know, right? Yes. Yeah. And 100%. only once I know, can I then say, okay, well, I have this whole new perspective on things and on careers. Oh, so there aren't just lawyers and doctors and, you know, whatever it is. There's so many other opportunities out there. Mm. You know what's amazing for me about this as well is that each of these women who or young women or girls who are now exposed to this information um, will this will have an impact on what 
how they parent or how they mother their daughters and how they raise their girls. So that information will be will be instilled in generations to come just because the path has changed from from that point, the point where this person gets exposed to the information. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's been interesting for me as well is that a couple of the girls in the book, so I, I gave a copy um, as a thank you to each of the girls who contributed to the, to the book. And as some of them have said, you know, I've shared the book with about 10 other girls in my community. So, you know, the book doesn't just stop with the person who's reading it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It gets shared. Mm. So um, I see that under on your website um, mm. you have uh, the SOAR Youth Development Foundation. Mm. So, um, I mean, it sounds terrible for me to say, but it's a good incentive when, it, when you're looking at it from a corporate perspective that this can also be a, a CSI write-off. Write-off is the wrong way to put it. But that's how like a lot of no, corporates but it can be can, yeah. It can form part of your corporate well. social responsibility initiatives as as a corporate. Yes, yeah. It's a great Absolutely. way to yeah. Yeah. You know, so I mean that is also, I mean, that for me is like a no-brainer. You know, if you're a corporate and you want to make a difference, especially to the education of the youngsters of today, um buy a book, you know, it's gonna go such a long way. And again, knowing that you might be buying a book for one person in this particular school, but they are going to share it with their cousins and their friends. And so that one book is going to touch the lives of not just only the young girl who you gifted it to. It's going to go such a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, CSI, corporate CSI is so difficult. They've got all their rules and regulations and to try and even get into a corporate is for me a really difficult um um, path to to um, get into um, so yeah I mean how do we get involved it's like create awareness yeah um, get people who are willing to spend 150 rand to make you know I didn't make the books expensive because for me it's around I don't want to make it like a, a grudge purchase I don't want to make it like a oh that's quite expensive why would you know I'm not going to spend like 300 rand on a book um, you know cover the the basic costs of producing the book and make it affordable enough where people can actually spend, what is it going to cost? The equivalent of five Starbucks coffees mm. or Seattle mm. coffees. Mm. And they can help a young child or a young girl um, with changing her life, you know, potentially. Mm. And it's made so, it possible yeah, so, for, yeah. for mothers who feel strongly about, like Charlene and I often talk about, okay, what can we do? It's Women's Month. Oh, or mm. a Christmas is coming up or, you know, whatever, whatever else that we, we feel passionately about around seasons. We don't want to celebrate or acknowledge a, a, a public holiday or a day in vain. We want to do something. Mm. But naively we say, okay, our hands are tied. Well, here is a, a constructive way that we can use our money mm. and our time. So, make a difference, yeah. This, this so to give you an example, I was I was contacted by um, a woman in Kwazulu Natal, and she said to me, you know, we've got three hundred young girls that we provide in food parcels to during COVID, and we'd love to give them a copy of your book. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. So she's like, well, sponsorship, 
you know, I'm like, I can't give 300 books away. You know, it's just, it's, no. it's, it's impossible. But can we maybe do a WhatsApp to women or friends that we know and say, can you sponsor one book? And if we are 200 women who share this message or, you know, then there's a way that we can all raise enough money to, you know, send these books down to KwaZulu Natal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But again, it's like, where are the platforms? Like, how does, how do we do this? How do we make this a community um, thing? And who are the, the people that we can reach, the right people that we can reach, who can afford to sponsor a book for a young girl in KwaZulu Natal? So does Pina also, um, I'm very excited as a mom to uh, a boy and a half, one on the way, <laughs> that uh, this book, um, you are giving more legs to and uh, there's production underway on a saw for high school boys or young men, shall we say? Yes, so that was the intention and then COVID hit. So um, the book is like 60% of the way done, but I have put, put the pause on it because I need to make traction on the girls book, you know, and unless I do that, um, it's going to be very difficult for me to produce the boys version. Yeah. Well, guys, if you want to see, I want to see that boys version. Okay. Charlene, yes. I really yes, want to see that yes. boys version. So, so listeners, we are going to be putting you in touch with all things Despina, all things purposeful women. Keep an eye on our socials, and, um, you know, our, our website and we'll steer you in the right direction um, so that everybody, hopefully a lot of our listeners will be inspired to either get themselves a book or donate a book. Um, and, yeah, Despina. Or both. Or both, yeah. <laughs> both, both is good. Exactly. <laughs> I just have to read you a message that I got this morning from Please, a mom. yeah. Um, so she recently bought this book for her, her daughter and, you know, I just like, I, feel, I always send like a follow-up to say, how's it going? Is your daughter enjoying the book? Um, and she just said, my daughter has thoroughly enjoyed the book. And yes, she has done the exercises as well. It made her feel so at ease knowing that the things she's experiencing is normal. It has made me feel um, more of a mommy as well, as she had so many questions for me to answer, which I loved. Thank you once again for this book. So, for the, I mean, that just made my heart just suck. I love Yay, it. You know? I love it. Well yeah. done. Well Makes done. it all worth it. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, mm. Kudos just to, to normalize you, it. As you said, Samantha, it's just about normalizing what these teens are going through so exactly. that they're not feeling like they are the only ones um, going through it. Exactly. And uh, so long may may this um, book last and long may its, its legs grow. And we're counting on us as a platform and all of our listeners to, to give it more legs. So, Despina, hopefully we have you on again when when this really the you know <laughs> this really gets underway and the boys' version is is up and running, and then we can chat about raising uh, young men. Thanks for joining Absolutely. us on on the Great Equalizer. We appreciate it. Oh man, oh, she's cool. <laughs> You know what? You 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 realize only once you talk to people, you can only really get. You can see the passion in their work, but once you t get talking to them, um, like getting to know her today, her, her passion for this and for helping young women, it's just it's so 
is it visceral is the word I'm looking yeah. for? Ta- yeah, almost tangible. And it's yeah. and it what what I love about it is it comes from a place of experience where if you read mm. the forward to saw, if you you know where Despina comes from and like like she was saying like. I mean, and she doesn't say, "Oh, I was oppressed as a woman, and and only once, and was only pushed into the career of being a teacher." She's not taking it from that perspective, but you can see how that system of oppression swayed her opinion, and she was just like, "Fuck this, I'm going into accounting." And then even that was just like, "But this isn't what I want to do," and she just kept urging herself ahead to to her true truth and and passion, and. And, and let that ooze out of her into to, to spread and do good among young women, well, women and young women in South Africa. And so, I, yeah, you're right. It's inspiring. Super inspiring. Yeah, I, I'm so inspired by her and what she's doing. And, and what a wonderful example of um, someone coming from, a, a I suppose, a place of privilege and recognizing to be able to, to look and relate to – I mean, I often make the mistake – you know, we, we have blinkers on, we go through life with blinkers on. And like a couple of weeks back when we interviewed Kosi Kosi, I was embarrassed to say that it has never even in my ignorance occurred to me that there are people in this country who can't read a book in their own language, you know? Yeah. And, and how great that she is not going through life with blinkers on and thinking if this is where I'm struggling and I've had the opportunities that I have, imagine someone in an under coming from an underprivileged background. These are the women we need to empower and, and inspire and, and equip with knowledge. So I've been looking um, on Despina's website and she, she highlights um, some important things, um, some important statistics that I'd like to highlight as well, and and that is that is our why. This is the reason also for for amplifying voices like Despina's as well. Because here are statistics, but statistics have to come from a bigger place to be filtered down into into this. And so it's probably worse. People, our youngst, our youngsters, our, our teenagers are probably worse off than these statistics at this point, um, especially after mm. this year. So. One in four university students, according to the the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, one in four university students suffer from depression in South Africa. Uh, Teenagers between the ages of 15 and 19 are most at risk for suicide. Girls attempt suicide more than boys at a ratio of three to one. And okay, these are US studies, but various studies show that by the time they get to university, Girls are far more anxious, depressed, and insecure than boys. Their need to be perfect and succeed is starting to become a mental wellness issue. So if we if we've got to eke out a bottom line from this, eke out, that's the wrong word. If we if we've got to settle on only one bottom line, I would say to that, I would say that these young women um, who will be helped by people like Despina and and her book, these young women are the mothers of of the future and we need to pay attention no for sure that's a great bottom line actually um you know and also just in our earlier discussion we, we were talking about me feeling depressed and that kind of thing hopefully i mean the first prize ideally would be when these young women get to a similar place that i am in now maybe they would or most likely they would be able to navigate or notice like red flags 
sooner or earlier or even have the life skills or be equipped with the tools to try and navigate that anxiety and stress and not let it get to that point, you know? Yeah. I know the last statistic that you read was based on a US study, but if you just think about the, the around the, the end of the year when the matric results come out, um, how many youngsters there are in the news that have committed suicide because of that fear of their future and the uncertainty that they're faced with. So I think for me, it's a very long way around to say that the bottom line here is if you are equipped with knowledge um, on how to navigate emotions, um, not just emotions, but your thoughts and even how negative thoughts and and uncertainty um, or feelings towards uncertainty manifests in your daily life, um, you can you can with with what Despina is teaching these young women in her book or giving them examples of is how to make decisions informed decisions with the right tools and be equipped to not let those emotions or the uncertainty or any of those things get the better of you first of all and second of all for you, for every single young woman in this country to realize that they can they can. You can. There's no reason why you should not be able to like, reach for the stars and, and do what your dreams and your desires um, are pushing you to do. And they will grow up into young moms and they will teach their daughters that. Exactly. Exactly. So here, here, and long may the sentiment last throughout Women's Day and beyond – um, how about we keep talking? I'd love to hear from our cool. listeners. Yes, yes. Listeners, you know this. If you want to chat to us, weigh in on this discussion or any of the other discussions we've had in recent weeks. Also, maybe you just want to swear or rant or cry. You can DM us a voice note. Um, you can reach us on Instagram. Our handle is at the great equalizer podcast. Or you can record one on your phone and you can hit us up over email. Uh, info at the great equalizer.co.za. Also, feel free to tag us in any Instagram or Facebook posts that resonate with you or to send some um, some information our way or pages you're interested in or um, topics you might want us to cover for that matter. Exactly. Your support so important to us. We've been getting such wonderful engagement and comments and feedback. Um, your support just uh, just uh, goes a long way. You have no idea how much every like, love or comment or share means to us. Guys, please don't forget to drop a review on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook and to rate us. Um, honest feedback is, is always super helpful. So whatever you do, rate us. Please also leave a comment um, so that we know what you're, what you're loving and what you're not loving that much. Um, and remember to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening in on. Exactly. We get asked all the time, who are your listeners and what's your audience like? Um, by doing by doing that, um, you are giving us insight into who our audience exactly is. And also, the more we're seen, the better this podcast can do and the better we will be for you. And so, that's it for this week. Until next time and our last episode for Women's Month 2020. Keep, Keep your, your mom, mom game, game strong. strong.
for more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. If you want something a little more personal, email us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za and we'll get back to you.